Welcome to the show, everybody! Today is Sunday, June 26th, 2022. Uh, this is Season 2, Episode 4. And there will not be a dunks side of this episode. Um, and this episode is dedicated to my grandpa. And I've already talked about his favorite basketball team, the Boston Celtics. Um... I mean, some of his favorite players from the Celtics was Bird and Havlicek and Cowens. Um, He also liked George Mikan from the Minneapolis Lakers. But um, we're just going to talk baseball today because that's, that's, you know, that's what he loved the most was baseball. So uh, my grandpa was born June 26, 1935. He would have been 87 years old. Um, he was the fifth of six kids and he was the youngest boy. There was, uh, his older brothers were four years older than him to, um, 14 years older than him. So a lot of age disparity there. So he'd get picked on, but he brought it on himself a lot as well. Cause he always said he was mouthy. That's probably where I got it from. Uh, he was the kind of troublemaker, but never got enough to get in trouble with the law. Um, he played baseball growing up and he would actually go to the golf course and find golf balls in his free time as well. And then he would sell them back to the golfers. Uh, one story he liked to tell me is that one of the golfers gave him a golf club and he was in the backyard hitting it or hitting the ball around. And they finally got a hold of it and it shot through the back of the house and went out the front of the house and apparently whizzed by his, dad's my great grandpa's head which then proceeded to make his mom mad who then came out and took the golf club and wrapped it around the clothes hanging the clothes hanging pole um in the backyard so uh he dropped out of high school at the age of 16 and talked his mom into signing the paper for him to join the air force um and this was 51 uh right around 51 and he would, which was about the same time that we were starting to get into the Korean conflict. So he served during the, the Korean conflict, but never went to Korea until after the treaty had signed. And then he spent 13 months in Korea. Uh, he, at one point in Germany, he had, was on a plane that caught on fire. And <laughs> as it was landing... Uh, another point was he was when he was in Korea and he was because he was an airman police. So that's what he did. Uh, he was doing rounds in Korea and was taking sniper fires. And he always told me that he had to crawl uh, on his belly to get to the to get to the phone to radio for help, which then brought in the tank. And then the tank lit up the mountain that the sniper is shooting from. And he said out came all the snipers with their hands up. Uh, so he also said that he went around the world twice before he even married my grandma, um, who he met in elementary school since she was one of his youngest sister's friends. Uh, they married in July 14th, 1956. And then my grandpa had to finish his time out in El Paso. So he went to El Paso to finish that out. And my grandma stayed here, stayed in Sioux city um, she did make one trip down to see him on the bus 
um, and then basically lived with his parents here in Sioux City. Um, and then in 57, they they had their first child, which was my great aunt or my aunt Mary Jean, and then they had six more after her. <laughs> so yeah, um, it was during his time as a kid listening to the Yankees games on the radio, and also his time in the military when he would also listen to as well. Um, and my uncles can always told me when they were growing up in this, even in the sixties and early seventies that if the Yankees, the Yankees were on the radio in the house at all times. And he had this old, really old radio, which was pretty cool. Um, my, his favorite Yankees of all time were Mantle, Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra. And then he had one non-favorite Yankee, which is Rocky Calavito. He was a welder. Um, as after he got out of the military, um, so, and then, and then when he was, and then he found, and so then he started working the, so then he ended up working the, the three to 11 shift. Well, that just happens the same time that he got, like I said, he got cable in 82 and started watching WGN during the day would watch Cubs games. So then, like I say, if it wasn't for WGN and the Cubs, I would have been a Yankees fan. Could have been. What could have been? I could have celebrated five championships already in my life instead of just one. And an awesome year that they're having this year, too. Um, he loved the Cubs, and, you know, but he was always a Yankees fan deep down. Uh, like He did see the Yankees win five World Series in his lifetime, and he'd always, every time they won, he'd have the biggest grin on his face. It was like the be- the most happiest I would see him. Um, so like I said, they had seven, my grandparents had seven kids, 10 grandkids and 13 grand, great grandchildren. Um, he was not, he did not live long enough to see the Cubs win a world series in 2016 as he passed away July 26th, a month after his 81st birthday and 12 days after their 60th wedding anniversary. Um, he battled prostate and brain cancer. Um, so, but the Cubs ended up winning in November and, but the 1961 New York Yankees is what sets itself apart from all the others that my grandpa followed and loved. So a little bit of on this day before we get into the 1961 Yankees is on this day, June 26, 1935. The day he was born, a Major League Baseball record was set by Lloyd Wainer for 18 putouts from center field during a doubleheader versus the Boston Braves. And my Did You Know has a little bit of night of uh, Yankees lore in it as well. Because did you know that Carol Hardy, he pinched it for Carl Jastrzemski, Ted Williams, and he hit had a pinch hit home run. Um for Roger Maris when they were Cleveland teammates. The only person to pinch hit for all three. So, 1961 was the year the AL expanded the schedule to 162 games due to the expansion of eight teams from the never-played-a-single-game Continental League. The AL added the Twins uh, that had moved from D.C. as the Washington Center. Then they replaced the Washington Centers with another Washington Centers team. 
and they also added the Angels. Um, the NL was still at, at 154 games this year in 1961 until 1962 when they expanded. 1961 saw Warren Spahn win his 300th game. Willie Mays hit his 300th home run. Sandy Koufax <laughs> attempt to steal and was thrown out. That was the only attempted stolen base he had of his career. The Phillies lost 23 straight, straight games, which is still a modern-day record. And then there was Mays and Mantle, or not Mays. There was Maris and Mantle chasing Ruth for 60 dingers, with Maris hitting number 61 on game 163. Since they had to, and there was 163 games since they had to make up a tie game with the Baltimore Orioles, o- Orioles early in the in the year. MVP with a, for the AL was Maris, and it was his second straight year that he won the MVP award. The Cy Young went to Whitey Ford, and the Rookie of the Year went to Don Schwell of Boston. On the NL side, you had Frank Robinson win the MVP award. There was no Cy Young award winner in the NL due to, at that time, until 1967, the award was only given to the best Major League pitcher. The NL Rookie of the Year was Billy Williams of the Chicago Cubs. And 1961 also saw Mickey Mantle become the highest paid player that year at $75,000 for that year. Um, All this brings me to the 1961 New York Yankees. The Yankees played at Yankee Stadium, which was home of also the New York football giants at the time. So the dimensions of Yankee Stadium was 301 down the left field line, 402 straight left, 457 to the left left center gap 461 to straight center 407 to right center field 367 to right field and 296 down the right field line and this team hit 240 home runs that year it was a giant weird horseshoe that they had to expand due to the football stadium this stadium could also hold 65,000 people at any given moment as well because of the football side of things. And it wasn't until the 70s when they um, when they renovated it did they actually make it more like a diamond shape and brought the field brought the center field wall in um, due to the Giants all now playing at the Meadowlands of New Jersey. The Yankees that year finished with a record of 109-53-1 all because of that tie. Uh, they also had the second coming of Murderer's Row with um, Mantle, Maris, Barra, Elston Howard, Johnny Blanchard, Blanchard, and Bill Moose Scourin. Uh The six of them combined for 207 home runs of the 240 that were hit. Uh, that 240 was a record that stood until, for some reason, the Yankees always have problems with the Orioles, and the Orioles decided to take over this record as well when they hit 257 dingers as a team in 1996. The 1961 Yankees were also under new management uh, as the as 41-year-old Ralph Hoke replaced Casey Stingle after he was let, let go at the end of the 1960 season with the Yankees' ownership citing his age at 70 years old. Then Casey Stingle made them have a press conference to where they asked if he was fired and the Yankees manager did, or the Yankees ownership did not answer. And then they got to Casey Stingle and he asked if he was fired and he goes fired, quit 
Who gives a damn? I'm out of a job. He then went on to manage the Yankee or the Mets and won a championship with them in 1969 as the Miraculous Mets. Oh, Ralph Hoke didn't make a change that Casey Stingle did not would not do, and that was he switched Mantle and Maris in the lineup. So 1960, Mantle and Maris were batting. Mantle was third, Maris was fourth. Maris still hit 39 home runs in 1960. Well, Hoke came in, um, Ralph Hoke, Hoke, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, comes in and he immediately switched them around. So then, instead of Maris seeing, you know, just the back of them actually having a pitch to, you know, they just throw whatever at Maris, um, with having Maris bat third and Mantle bat fourth, it ended up giving Maris not having to see a lot of bad pitches. So he was able to start opening up on a swing a little bit more, which, you know, probably helped him hit 61 home runs because, A, you're going to face Maris or you're going to face Mantle. And at that time, you were going to rather take Maris over Mantle. So also one thing about Mantle that I didn't know until I started researching this. Well, I knew about the injury. I didn't know that they about what it actually was. So let's talk about the injury for one thing. So, Mantle in the 51 World Series was playing right field. Joe DiMaggio was playing center field. Um, and rookie, and they're at the polo grounds. And rookie Willie Mays hits a, deep, has a, hits a, short, foul, a short fly ball to shallow center field. DiMaggio's coming in to get it. Mantle's doing what right fielders do. Runs is going to back him up. At which point he gets a spike caught in an open drainage and ends up twisting twisting his knee. Uh, people that were there report him going down like he was shot. Um, so he ended up and then he ended up getting carted off and knocked him out of the rest of the series. And it has been since speculated by doctors that he tore his ACL. Well, at that time, you know they didn't have. Any type of surgeries on ACLs whatsoever. It was a life, a career ender. So basically, Mantle played the rest of his 18-year career with a torn ACL and was still considered the fastest man to first base. So yeah. Also, this 61 team was pretty much the 60 Yankees as well. Um, And the 60 Yankees lost to the Pirates in the World Series in seven games after outscoring them 54-27. to and as you, if nobody knows, this is the series where the Yankees lost and Bill Mazeroski hits the game-winning home run in the bottom of the ninth to give the Pirates, the Pirates the world championship. So this team was comes into 1961 playing with a chip on their shoulder. And the first two months of the season wasn't, you know, extraordinary for them at all because they only went 9-5. and five, in April, losing their opener to the expansion Twins. And then they lost three games to the Orioles and tied one. And they ended uh, with a loss to the expansion Senators as well. Maris only had one home run at this point, and Mantle had seven. May was a little bit better, but not much. Um, they went they went 14-12 and 12 in the month of May. And were only three and a half games back of the Tigers. Um, at the end of it, so that was good. However, they were at one point 
two games, only two games above 500. And um, the power combo of Mantle and Maris at the end of May had a combined 26 dingers. Then... Then came the Heat. All right. So they were two games above 500 in the middle of May. Then they went on to win six of the last eight games of that month. Then in June, they go 22 and 10 and are two games out of first behind the, the Detroit Tigers at the end of June. Okay. Whitey Ford's 14 and 2 as of June 30th. Maris has 27 dingers. Mantle has 25 dingers. And again, it's starting to heat up for him. So, the Yankees in July went 20 and 9. And at this point, had jumped the Tigers for a one and a half game lead for first place. Mantle hit nine homers, and Maris had hit 13 dingers in the. In the month of July, and Ford at this point was nineteen and two. August saw the Yankees go twenty-two and nine, and still lead only by one and a half games in front of the Tigers. Going into September, Maris had a total of fifty-one dingers on the season, becoming the first player ever to hit fifty home runs by the end of August. Mantle was at forty-eight. Ford was leading the majors with twenty-two wins. And the first three games in September was a three-game series against the Detroit Tigers. And the Yankees were coming off a three-game series in which they just lost two games to one to the Minnesota Twins. And the Tigers were coming, off, were coming to the Yankee Stadium winning 11 of their last 14 games. The series at the start of September was going to be, could make the case to be, be the winner of, of this will be the AL pennant race winner. But they still had a four game series left. On it, it later in the month. So game one was Whitey Ford versus Don Mossy. Two aces for both teams. Ford only lasted four and two thirds innings. Giving up four hits. Um, and he was pulled for Bud Daly who pitched three and a third. Giving up three hits and walking three. Then comes in Luis Arroyo. He comes in the ninth and pitches a 1-2-3 inning with 1K. Arroyo at this point has 10 consecutive saves or 10 consecutive wins as a reliever. Masi had pitched the entire game for the Tigers and had 7Ks, including striking out Mantle three times and Maris once. Then with two outs, Howard and Barra, Elston Howard and Joey Ber- Yogi Berra both singled to bring up Scourin, who hit a single drive, who hit a single down the third base line to drive in the game winner. As Howard crossed the plate for the game, um, yeah, so they win. So the Yankees win the first game of the series one zero. The Yankees then win the next night seven to two. And that saw Ralph Terry for New York and Frank Larry for Detroit. The Yankees eight hits, two of those being Maris Dingers. Then game three of the series, 
saw the Yankees winning four to one. Or, yeah, saw the Yankees winning four to one after five. In the sixth and eighth, the Tigers scored a run in each to make it four three. Then comes the top of the ninth, and Aurora's on the mound, and the Tigers scored two to make it five to four and take the lead. But the Yankees weren't done. In the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees scored four runs. The first was a game-tying shot by Mantle, his 50th of the year. And with two on and two out, Elston Howard hit a three-run shot that the that ended up having the Yankees sweep, sweep the Tigers to extend their lead to four and a half games. After this game, the Yankees would go on to win ten more straight, while the Tigers would lose five straight. When the Tigers would win again, they would be 10 games back. And at the start of the next series against the Yankees on September 15th, the Tigers were 10 and a half games back. The Yankees and Tigers ended up splitting that series 2-2. Two to two. <coughs> But the Yankees had already taken control of the pennant race and clinched the, clinched the pennant on 9-19 after winning the second game of a doubleheader against the Orioles. With the Yanks, with the AL clinched by the Yankees, they just had to wait and see who their opponent was, which at this point would be the Reds, um, and the Reds would be would clinch the NL pennant on September 25th when the Dodgers lost to the Phillies two to one. Mantle would not play the last four games of the season and in only two of the five World Series games due to a, due to a hip infection. Maris would hit Dinger with 61 against Boston on October 1st. And MLB commissioner Fred Frick, or Ford Frick, did what he promised to do, and he put an asterisk next to the 61st Dinger. Frick did this as he was a close friend to Ruth and the Ruth family, and in 1991, Faye Vincent removed the asterisk, and Maris had passed away in 85 without knowing he was the home run season king. And that was up until 1998 when McGuire hit 70. Um, he hit number, McGuire hit number 62 on September 8th, 1998 against the Cubs. The 61 World Series wa- <clears throat> would be won by the Yankees four games to one, and they outscored the Reds 27 to 13. And ga- game one, Elston Howard and Scourin hit solo dingers as the only run scored, and Whitey Ford pitched nine innings of two hit, gave up zero runs, and struck out six. Game two, the Reds won six to two. And by lighting up Ralph Terry and Luis Aroro. Six runs were on nine hits. Barra hit a two-run shot in the first for the only Yankees runs. Game three, Yankees won 3-2 to two with dingers from Johnny Blanchard and Roger Maris in the eighth and ninth. Barra hit an RBI single in the seventh, and up until that, up until that Barra single, the Reds were up 1-0. The Reds scored in the bottom of the seventh with an RBI single by Eddie Casco. And that was their only. That was their only other run. Game four saw the Yankees win seven to nothing with pitching from Ford and Jim Coates. 
And then game five was won by the Yankees 13-5. to Whitey Ford won the MVP award that year. Bobby Richardson led both teams with nine hits and batted 391 for the series. Johnny Blanchard had two home runs and 10 at-bats. Maris only had two hits, a dinger and a double. Hector Lopez drove in seven runs and nine at-bats while only having three hits. It was a single, a triple, and a dinger. And there was only one stolen base between the two teams the entire series. But the stat of the nineteen ninety six or the 1961 season has to belong to, to Luis Arroyo. He went 15-5 and five and had 29 saves while pitching 119 innings. Now, as, as one of the probably most forgotten, kind of forgotten teams to be around, the 61 Yankees has to be considered one of the best teams of all time. I mean, they went 109-53-1, and 53 and 1, which ranks makes them 7th all-time in the list of teams for wins, and the third most wins by a Yankee team behind the 98 and 27 Yankees. The 61 Yankees had stats of they finished third in at-bats with 5,559. They scored 827 runs that year. They had 1,461 hits, with 240 of those being home runs. They had 40 triples. They had 194 doubles. They walked 543 times. They had 35 hit-by-pitches, and they only struck out 785 times. They had a slugging percentage of 442, and they batted 263 as a team. Their 330 on-base percentage ranked 7th that year. However, the tail of the tape is their pitching staff, where their pitching staff was 2nd in ER with a 3.46 ERA. They they were 6th in complete games with 47. They threw 14 shutouts, they had 39 saves, and their pitchers threw the third most innings. They gave up the second most, or the, the, they were second in hits, which only, they only gave up 1,288. They also only gave up 558 run, earned runs, and they only gave up 612 runs all season long. They only gave up 137 home runs. This pitching staff was elite, led by Whitey Ford. And most of these Yankees are in the Hall of Fame from this team. Like Whitey Ford and Elston Howard and and Mantle and Barra. Barra was 36 years old and starting left field. This team had, like I said, my grandparent, my grandpa's favorite players on the team. He would talk about them for years and years to me as a kid growing up. I would buy him anything that I could see of the Yankees for him to put in his computer room, which is surrounded with Yankees merchandise. To him, this team was mythical. This, the group of guys that were, were legends to him. And we, as baseball fans, we should be thankful that the Yankees of 61 played with the chip, such a chip on their shoulder as they did for them to pull off the victories that they did that year. So, in remembrance of my grandpa, whose favorite number seven, his favorite pitcher of all time, Whitey Ford, 
This episode is dedicated to him. And him being the biggest fan of ours, or at least mine, as a kid and now. And even he would be so proud of this podcast as it is. He'd be so proud of me just doing it and being able to talk sports to everybody like we used to do in his living room. So, follow me on Twitter. Follow me on TikTok. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram, one guy with a mic. Follow me on Twitch, one guy with a mic, sportscast. And I apologize to all my basketball fans out there, but this week is dedicated to baseball. So, y'all have a good one. Tell someone you love them because they're not around forever. And if I could give my grandpa a hug right now, I would. So, peace.